We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. At the same time, I think it might be good for players and coaches and just to get back to doing what you do, practices and having workouts and being with your teammates. I mean, to me, I think there's something so therapeutic about that that we've all now missed since, well, March. And if you're in the WNBA since the finals ended last October. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm John Little, your host. Thank you so much for being here. We are your source for great interviews and also our Unplugged podcast, which comes out darn near every week in the middle of the week, where we give you some of our thoughts as well from the Her Hoop Stats staff. We are so glad that you found us. Please, please, if you find us on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave the rating and the review when you do. It just helps other people find the show, and it helps other people find the great interviews that we've had along the way over the last year of doing this show. And wherever you get the podcast, hit subscribe, and I guarantee you're going to like what you hear over the next couple weeks as we take you through this portion of the quarantine. And hopefully we're about to turn the page here. This is a podcast that normally comes out on Mondays. And this Monday, very, very special as we see who opts in and who opts out of the WNBA season as teams are expected to jet off to Florida to start training and get ready to go at the end of the month. I'm really looking forward to some games that count whenever that goes down. I miss sports, but you know what? More than that, I miss going out to a game. I miss the energy of the place when you're there. I miss the camaraderie of speaking to other people in the media or speaking to the players or even the fans out there as well. I just miss that. There's that camaraderie that comes with sports that's just 
not able to be had right now. And it's something I miss deeply at this point. I know you feel the same way. On the show this week, man, so pleased, so honored to have the chance to speak with the great number 13, Lindsey Whalen, the former Connecticut Sun player, the former four-time champion with the Minnesota Lynx, and now the head coach of the University of Minnesota back at her alma mater. And she's got that unique perspective of being one of the greatest players ever in her state as a high schooler and then as a college player and then as a pro player as well. And now she's trying to do it as a coach, too. So I look forward to sharing her response when we talked about that. But we went over a lot of subjects, including her thoughts on how she's going to need to break up practices once they do get back to practicing on a deeper basis on July 20th at the University of Minnesota. And she's got some interesting thoughts on how she wants to do that. We talk about women's basketball players as a whole as social pioneers. And right off the bat, we get to rejoice in the fact that one of Waylon's former teammates, Maya Moore, did something really impressive this week. The events of the last few days, we've been all clamoring for some really positive things to happen in our world. And I think something that that ties in with women's basketball that is positive certainly did when a friend of yours, Maya Moore, uh, helped Jonathan Irons get out of uh, prison, walk free after 22 years in prison. I just I'd be remiss if I didn't get your reaction um, to what Maya has been trying to accomplish over the last few years. Obviously, it's just uh, truly remarkable when you think about what she has um, been able to do on the court and what she when she's put her mind to something and she's had a goal, what she's been able to do. And helping Jonathan Irons be set free is no different. I don't know. It's just like what Maya does. She sets her mind to something and she uh, will do anything until it happens. So uh, just, yeah, what a moment. I mean, just truly um, remarkable what can happen when you do the right things and you're persistent and you... Um, pursue justice and um and fairness and boy i, I would have really liked to um have seen just the celebration you know it's kind of a fly on the wall um, as someone who obviously has gotten to know my very well but just to see the celebration once they were able to get home or, or get to wherever they were going to go i'm sure it was um great for them yeah, you're absolutely right coach you know we really needed something good like this just from your earliest memories of maya coming into the league and getting to know her what just made her stand out to you from the outset? You know, just obviously her just, you know, extreme just dedication to the game and uh, just always working to get better and great teammate. When your best player on your team is your hardest worker, then it's pretty easy to have a really, really good team. And Maya just was that since since day one. So she was always the hardest working player. And, you know, she went 100% every play that she was a part of and I think that that just set the tone for everybody on the team and coming in as a rookie she um I don't know you could just tell she this was her pedigree was winning she was she fit right you know fit right in and she joined our team that the year before we we really uh, you know I don't want to say underachieved but we didn't make the playoffs we had some injuries and and our roster was um not quite where I think Cheryl wanted it at that point so she came into a great situation with players who had a lot to prove in uh, me, Simone, Rebecca, Taj, and and she just fit in perfectly, and, and she just um, 
you know, came in. We won four championships. And, uh, you know, like, you know, after I guess after she came in, it's just kind of the rest was history after that. And now she's uh, moved on, at least at this point, to, to all of that. And it's just it's just incredible to see it all come to fruition in the way it did over the last few days. We're visiting with Lindsey Whalen, the head coach of the University of Minnesota. And, um, you know, with you guys being in the Twin Cities area, obviously the, the whole country has been captivated. I don't know what other way to say it, but it's just been such a, a tough time for all of us after the death of George Floyd. Can you give us an mm-hmm. idea of how your uh, the university has dealt with that and now a little over a month after that went down uh, what's the mood of your program and how are things kind of moving to the next level after the initial sadness the anger all those things what stage is it in right now do you think in the twin cities well i think now you know it's um how do you keep the conversation going and how do you how do we put some words into actions to, to really enact change and create change and so you know of course right away it was um incredibly sad and and tragic and everybody saw you know on on the video what happened and so you know at that point it was um you know I had three players on campus and it was just making sure that they if they were going to protest that they were safe um that they felt supported and just trying to listen as much as possible um but now I think you know our players are back they're in voluntary workouts right now um which started yesterday and um you know it's something that as a program, we're going to try to, you know, weekly have a conversation on what are some things we can do? How can we use our platform? Who can we learn from as far as just continuing um, the social justice conversation and not just let it go by the wayside? Because I think that's, you know, that's what, you know, nobody wants that is just to have it go go back to kind of the way it, it was, I guess. I mean, because that isn't great for everybody and so just how do we continue to have these conversations and make sure everybody's heard and and how can we really um being right here in minneapolis you know help be a part of the change for for the positive for um for everybody but importantly most importantly our um minorities and specifically in this in this case our african-american community and what a tough situation it is to be in. But at the same time, how do you think that whether it be the WNBA or and I think that's trickled down to younger women's basketball players as well. They always seem like they are ready to fight for the oppressed. They are ready to help those that need uh, their voices to be amplified. It's almost like women's basketball has been preparing for this moment without knowing it for the last hour for many years. What would you say to that? Well, yeah, because I think that, you know, as women's basketball players, uh, I don't want to, you know, equate this to the, the same as what our, you know, African American community has gone through. But I'll just say being a women's basketball player in the United States is not exactly the easiest thing, whether you're on social media, uh, listening to different, you know, people say, you know, you know, I could beat her one on one. Let's play one on one. You know, you hear that stuff all the time. So I think it's just, you know, you know, we we've kind of been in this position where it's we've kind of had to fight for everything. And so, like I said, I don't want to like equate this to the same, but I I, I do know that as women's basketball players, we've had to fight for a lot, and we've had to try to you know earn respect. And there's always you know somebody that's you know either on Twitter or you know naysayers and things like that. And so I think. Just having that, yeah, the second you see something that's not right, you're like, hey, how can we, how can you help? How can we, how can we do more? So I would say I'm also very proud of our, our women's basketball community for always being at the forefront, stepping up in, in times when I think our country has really needed it for, for people as role models to step up and, and say something. So 
Um, I think it's just, it's just the way it's been for us in the WNBA for so long. Um, and so you just are kind of always, um, you know, fighting that stigma that it's women's basketball, that it's less than, that it's not good enough. And I think you just kind of hear that all the time and, and kind of come up with that. And, um, and you're just always fighting for that. So when, you know, when injustice and a wrong is done to, to someone or a group of people as a whole in the women's basketball community, we know what that's like. So I think everybody just wants to, as much as they can, step up and, and help enact change when that does happen. And they've certainly been doing that. And, of course, they're having to do that within the backdrop of COVID-19, something that we've never been through before, how that's right. affected uh, your, you know, the, the very ability to play for these athletes as well. And it's such an uncertain time as well uh, with with players opting in or, or choosing, you know, to not opt in, whether it be for social justice causes or for health concerns or what. Whatever. How tough do you think it is for um, some of these players right now who are deciding whether or not to start their season in Bradenton and and having not been in the uh, the the league uh, but uh, or been out of the league but for two years now? Um, has anybody come to you and and just asked for advice as far as what uh, they should do uh, going forward this summer? No, no one's really no one's reached out to me. Um, I think people are just. Um... You know, I think that between their coaches and and management and those within those organizations that they have, you know, so many great leaders that are that have a plan and everything is set that they, I think they feel really good about the ones that do want to play this summer feel good about that. It's, it's tough if you had it'd be a tough decision. I mean, I would think I would have played. Um, I would have played if I was in that situation. But again, it's everybody's different. Everybody's got different. Um, you know, thoughts and opinions and things going on. And, um, but, uh, you know, I'm, as a fan, I'm excited because I miss watching basketball and I miss watching live basketball like everybody. So hopefully it all goes well and it's done safely. And I'm sure that, um, that they've taken all the measures and everything. Um, as a player, I would, um, yeah, I would, I would want to go play for sure. Big sacrifice, leaving your family and, and everything for, I mean, what could be three months is tough, but I don't know. It's just, we're in such unprecedented times that at the same time, I think it might be good for players and coaches and just to get to back to doing what you do, having practices and having workouts and being with your teammates. I mean, to me, I think there's something so therapeutic about that, that we've all now missed since well March. And if you're in the WNBA since the finals ended last October. So it's, um, it's been such a long stretch for these, these athletes that this is what they do that I'm sure they're chomping at the bit. And I think that, like I said, I think therapeutic wise, I think it did be something that just would be so good to get a good workout in and get a good practice. in. that's so great for your mental health that um, I think that they'd be chomping at the bit. So I'm, I'm excited. I hope it works out and I uh, applaud the players who are playing and the ones who have sat out or decided to forego the season for different reasons. And we're visiting with Lindsey Whalen, the head coach of University of Minnesota. So let's uh, dive in uh, to your team at Minnesota and, and what you've been doing this offseason as compared to, you know, especially last offseason. Uh, how much different is this in the in the current environment we're in? Uh, I know workouts would normally be voluntary. You might have a youth camp or something like that if it was a, a normal mm-hmm. summer or something like that. But uh, tell us about the, the main differences between last offseason and what you're experiencing right now. 
Yeah, so, you know, last off season, basically since the, um, you know, coronavirus hit and we've all been in quarantine, um, we would have had our, um, you know, postseason tournament. We probably would have gone to NIT this year. We would have been at least invited, I think. Um, you know, then we would have taken some time and, and uh, had postseason workouts in um, in April, May would have been kind of downtime, and then June would be workouts and uh, also camps. And so, and then July would be recruiting. We'd be on the road for most of July. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, totally different. You know, um, we just got our players back last week. They're doing voluntary workouts until the 20th, and then we can work them out starting on the 20th uh, per NCA rules. And all of our recruiting, everything has been done virtually. A lot of Zoom calls and a lot of uh, a lot of that. That's kind of been the way of life for everybody, as well as FaceTime and on the phone and texting and emailing. All that's really come into play. Is kind of we're just in this like virtual uh, world. Everything is done virtually now, and so yeah, I mean, to- totally different, complete 180, <laughs> however you want to put it. It's um, you know, my, my first off season as a coach, I was playing in the WNBA. Last off season, I guess would have been kind of a normal kind of what you go, what you expect, and then now we're in in coronavirus, so it's um, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting start to my uh, as far as my off seasons have gone as a as a head coach in college. Very, hey, you're ready for anything, uh, for yeah, sure. I hope so. <laughs> exactly, nothing else can get thrown at you that you haven't met the challenge before. Uh, when you talk about July 20th, do you anticipate those the times where you're able to work out the players? Have you have you thought about how they might have to differ, or are those mainly individual workouts or small group workouts where it's going to be easily able to distance and those sort of things? Well, so right now in Minnesota, you're able to have sport workouts with 25 people or less. So uh, our team, were, as far as if we had our whole team, we would be fine um, to be able to do that. So we have 14 players on the team, um, four coaches, um, you know, some managers and support staff. We would stay under that 25-person uh, cap. But what we've decided to do is keep them in their room, um, you know, their roommates as well. And so we've got two different, we've got, um, you know, there's 14 of them. So let's say they're in four different apartments. What I've decided to do for this first, these two and a half weeks of voluntary. And then the first three weeks of, um, of where we can work them out is keep them in two separate groups. And then they'd have, and those groups coincide with their rooming situation. So, you know, if one group, someone be, someone would come down with the symptoms or, start to not feel well um, or test positive, then essentially those roommates in those workout groups would be shut down, but the other ones should be able to proceed in theory, right? So a lot of small group work. um, And then, you know, the last, so the first three weeks that I'm with them, I've got them in small groups. Um, We're going to ease back into it. Um, We're not going to use all of our four hours that we can do on the court right away just to, you know, acclimate them back to, the basketball court because they've been away from the court for four months now. And that's probably the longest any of these guys have been away from the court. So the last thing we want to do is throw everybody on the court and have somebody get hurt. And then the last three weeks we'll do more full team stuff where we'll be, um, you know, implementing more system stuff and, and starting to work on, 
um, you know, things that we want to prepare for when we meet back in September. So I say the first three weeks is a lot of skill development, a lot of just, hey, let's get back to the court. Um, let's see how this goes. A lot of mic in, a lot of two ball handling drills, um, you know, a lot of shooting, you know, some closeout, some defensive slide stuff. And then we'll work up to the full team by the end of summer. Um, and so we'll just, um, yeah, we'll just go from there and see, um, see how it goes, but that's the plan. That's, um, what I've got laid out and, and we, uh, hopefully we can execute it and keep, keep everybody healthy and, and keep moving forward. Fascinating stuff. Is it, has it been tough? Um, especially as all the adjustments were made at the end of the season and there was no, like you said, uh, WNIT or, you know, any activities at the end of the season got blown mm-hmm. out because everybody's out of school. Was it tough to focus in on, um, okay, here's how we need to get better for next year? Or was that, uh, you know, mental pastime uh, something good to have, especially as we were all going through, um, you know, this this pandemic? Yeah, you know, I think it actually worked out fine for us. Um, after last season, what, what we needed to establish the most here is our culture and how we're going to do things and just how we're going to treat one another and our program as people and how we're going to do things. And I think that that was good. I think a lot of um, trust was gained. We did a lot of one-on-one Zooms. We did a lot of team Zooms. And we we talked basketball. We talked a lot about life things and a lot of, um, you know, just trying to get to know one another again and taking time to use those Zooms to um, just kind of reconnect as as people. I think that the coronavirus has you know, if there is any positives, it's made us all slow down and I'll remember what's important. Um, you know, winning games is all, you know, is fun and that's what we all strive for, but it's the people that matter and it's your family that matters. And so, you know, I think for us coming off of the year we had, um, you know, my second year, you know, it was a little more turbulent, um, really trying to establish the culture that I want to build here and just how, um, how I've seen it done success successfully at a really high level with, you know, the links and the, you know, USA basketball. I, I really, it takes time to implement that. Not everybody um, just was ready to just jump right in and, and do those things. And, and so I think it was, we, we had some bumps along the way for sure. So I think this off season, that part in particular from, you know, let's say end of, end of March through honestly through, um, a better part of June, we've really been able to connect, I think, better as people. Um, We've had some really fun conversations with our kids about a whole lot of different, you know, many different topics. And, um, and, you know, honestly, in June, we've pretty much tried to listen and be there and be a, you know, um, a part of the, the racial moving towards racial, racial justice conversation. We tried to really focus on that. So, um, yeah, so you know, as far as skills go, and and that, yeah, we'll probably everybody's gonna be in the same boat and a little behind. But I think our program, where we're at, me going to my third year, it was really um, a time for us to really kind of reconnect as as people. As you know, I had some now sophomores that um, that I had recruited, um, you know, and then you get on campus and you get into school and practice and things. You kind of miss some of those one-on-one opportunities. Um, just cause everything feels like it's going so fast. 
Um, and so I think just reconnecting as people and, and, you know, why did you come here and why, uh, why we want to do this thing in the first place together. Um, and just kind of getting back to that was something that was really valuable in those, in those months. Hmm, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I've talked to uh, a couple of coaches here, uh, over the last few months that are probably considered the, the best players to ever come through their university as well. And now they're back at their university as the head coach as well. And I, I know it's got to be just just really interesting because I know you're probably the best player to ever come through Minnesota. You are a Hall of Fame level WNBA player, and now you're trying to reach that level as a coach as well. How much mm-hmm. pressure do you put on yourself as far as that goes? And and how do you deal with any frustration of just not being perfect or to that Hall of Fame level quite yet as a coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, for me, if I was able to become that level of coach, then I would have been able to achieve that in my career. I would be able to add to some of the playing accolades. And so it's kind of of the last thing basketball-wise I have as a goal is to how, okay, I've played an NCAA tournament. I've won a gold medal. I've won a champ. How can I how can I get my players to that level and experience that as a coach? And so that's, you know, it's like the final goal. It's like the last thing out there for me. Um, you know, I think for me, how I, um, how I try to, when we're not winning games or things aren't going well is, uh, to not be too hard on yourself is to understand that, um, you know, I was never an assistant coach before and I did obviously learn a lot from Cheryl and Gino and coach Tebow and my college coaches. Um, and I was a coach on the floor for sure. And I was prepared for this, but yet the same point, I jumped right into being a head coach. And so there's things I'm still learning and there's areas that I'm still trying to, you know, not necessarily perfect, but just really hone in on that craft. And so I think there's so many areas that you learn as an assistant coach that um, coming up, you just naturally, are learning as you're going. And so me as a head coach, there's certain things that you just can only learn and you can only do by coaching. And, and I was, I, I, this is my first coaching job and I went right into head coach. So, or to being a head coach. And so I think sometimes just understanding, giving myself a little bit of a, I don't want to say a pass, but just, um, you know, Hey, it's okay. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. Things aren't going to go perfectly. And, you know, my last few years as a player, you know, that was kind of the standard. It was championship or nothing with the links. And so to kind of get to where you're able to build something and really understand that, of course, we all want to win and we all want to, um, you know, do those things. But it took a lot. It took a huge process before that. It took 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. And we won some of those years championship wise. But I think we had it down um, to where we were, you know, 26 and eight, 27 and seven. I mean, rarely losing, um, to where it was as close, probably as perfect as you could get as a basketball team. And so just understanding that that took a lot of work before that happened and and reminding myself of that, I think is sometimes the, the biggest key. And, and thankfully I have a great assistant coaching staff that, uh, that reminds me of that and, and helps me along the way. 
Coach, I want to say thank you so much for spouting off some of that wisdom about so many different subjects, and I wish you the absolute best as uh, you guys try to navigate uh, through this summer and toward your third year. Absolutely. Thank you, and appreciate you giving me the time to come on. That is Lindsay Whalen, the head coach of the University of Minnesota here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Really appreciate her time and her honest responses to the questions. And thankfully, even during this time where we can't see games in person, games aren't even going on, we can still talk to people in relation to the sport and get their deep thoughts about things. And yeah, I, I just love it. That's the reason that I do this show. It's like the only reason that I do this show. Thank you for listening this week. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. We always appreciate that. You can also follow us on Twitter at HerHoopStats. Follow me on Twitter at John Little Voice. And Little is spelled with D's, L-I-D-D-L-E. And if you've ever got a comment or question, sometimes people reach out by email to us, podcast at HerHoopStats.com, podcast at HerHoopStats.com. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Thanks to Jared Deck, JaredDeckMusic.com for the music and Susie Solis is our announcer. I'm your host John Little. Until next time, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.